course, you know, 311. Every, if everybody, if you don't know who 311 is, are you really American? Welcome back to GC8. I'm Eric. I'm Rosie. And I'm Johanna. This week, we're on to session five of Cowboy Bebop, episodes 19 through 22. But before we get to that, what have you been up to since last we spoke, Johanna? I have spent most of the weekend playing Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with my family. And uh, I didn't bring a whole stack of cards with us today, but I'm just going to quiz two of you on one of the questions that I missed earlier this morning, which was, what is the name of the partner pilot for Wedge Antilles in the Snowspeeder during the Battle of Hoth, the gunner behind him? Do you remember the name of his co-pilot? I do not remember his name. I, uh, I'm at a complete loss. Jansen. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. So that was that was a new a new trivia question that that we hadn't come up with. You know, there's some that repeat where you, it, the questions are, you know, how many guards escort Lando into the cell to visit Han? And it's you know, it's always two or four or something like that. But these we had a couple questions about Jansen this morning. <laughs> so new character. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. So I bought tickets this morning to one of my favorite bands. I live in Vermont, as you guys know by now. And Vermont sucks for music. I mean, (laughs) it's fine if you happen to be an aging hippie like most of the people here. There's a lot of folk music, a lot of like Peter, Paul, and Mary wannabes, and a lot of um, Americana as... The kids have rebranded it now, but it's basically um, something like bluegrass. And I used to live in Kentucky, so I know good bluegrass, and this isn't it, and uh, stuff like that. And there's a lot of really mainstream blues rock cover bands you get in bars. There, there are a lot of those. We don't get a lot of really good music, particularly punk music, which I'm into, I'm super excited because I haven't seen a show, a live music show, in years at this point. It had been a while even before the pandemic hit. And in 2022, the Circle Jerks are coming to Vermont. Wow. I love the Circle Jerks. Also on the bill is Seven Seconds. Now, I saw Circle Jerks in Seven Seconds. They they did a historic tour in 1988. This is the first time they've toured together it's the first time the Circle Jerks have toured in 15 years. It's also great because they've got a sold-out show in Boston on one weekend, and then a, I think a sold-out show in Quebec, Montreal, the next night. And midweek, they're playing in Burlington, Vermont. So it's like a weeknight show. So that's like super punk rock, too. That's very <laughs> punk rock. I am super excited about this there are other bands on the bill too i don't know in this particular location but on this tour the adolescents are on it and uh, municipal waste and uh, a couple of other bands bouncing souls so it's like a big deal for those who don't know circle jerks are a hardcore punk band from hermosa beach california they were an offshoot really from black flag 
Yeah, probably seen them more than any other band. You know, I've been reading all up on them and what have they been up to the last several years. And what I didn't know is they did a show with Chuck Berry. The One of the last times they toured, they stopped in St. Louis, Missouri, and that's where Chuck Berry lives. And he showed up at the show and then slipped a note to their road manager <laughs> that he wanted to join them on stage. And you got to imagine, you know, this is a punk rock show. All right. And uh, and Chuck Berry shows up and they're like, sure. And they they like pull him up on stage and he goes into like Johnny Be Good or something like that. They're like um, they're like. They only know what key it's in because they've seen the movie Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, which is the documentary about it. And so they're just like, see, and they start playing it. And apparently they did a whole set with Chuck Berry. And it was great. And then he left. And by the time they were done packing everything, unloading or whatever, at the end of the show, he was already gone. But he left a note saying that they were one of the best bands he had ever seen. That's so awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that said, let's let's get into this and we're just going <laughs> to jump right into talking about episode 19, Wild Horses. Wild Horses. Another reference to a Rolling Stones song. So uh, Spike is uh, broken down in the swordfish, too, and has to basically get the get the stuff fixed. Meanwhile, Faye, Jet and the rest of the crew are on the bebop, kind of lying in wait, trying to capture these pirates that are out there so they can collect a bounty and make some money because they're basically broke. They're starving. A whole lot of fun ensues, including a special appearance by the Space Shuttle Challenger. <laughs> mm. Columbia. Oh, yes. the Columbia. Columbia. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, the Columbia. I'm so sorry. I stand corrected again. Like I said, brain is just not working yeah, and actually, Columbia was destroyed on re-entry in February of 2003, two years after this episode aired. So, wow. Rest in peace, Shuttle Columbia. Rest in peace. <laughs> or pieces. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Taste, tasteless jokes. <laughs> I don't believe in psychic phenomenon and stuff like that, but the the one time I've ever had any kind of a um premonition i had a dream about the columbia breaking up on re-entry that Whoa. that night and the the i uh, woke up in the morning and then sometime that day i found out about it i was like that would have happened right around the time i was having a dream about it so I still think it's just a coincidence, but pretty weird. And it was specifically the Columbia because the Columbia was the first shuttle. And I, it's always the one that I think of when I think of a space shuttle, even though, yes, I lived through the Challenger disaster and all that. But yeah, me too. I was in the third grade. This episode was pulled from air because of that. It's one of the quote unquote banned episodes of Cowboy Bebop. In the U.S., these things aired on, I think, Adult Swim on um, Cartoon Network, and they pulled it. And remember, Cartoon Network didn't start airing these episodes until late 2001, September of 2001. And we'll talk about how that led to other band episodes <laughs> as we go on. Cowboy Bebop has a storied history here because it in the U.S., you couldn't see a lot of the episodes. Anyway... Let's get back to um, to Wild Horses. 
Faye attempts to collect a bounty from the pirates. Ships under attack. Battle ensues. And um, I watched the episode. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit confused as to what was going on. Because the two storylines didn't really make sense to me. I didn't really understand where the Columbia came into play or how they even accessed that in the first place. Spike is out of gas on this planet. Okay. He makes contact with this old uh, mechanic that he knew. And that's, yeah, that's a separate, sort of a separate storyline from what's going on with Faye and Jet and their bounty is on space pirates, which everybody loves space pirates. That's right. One of the things that, I've started to catch on to now that we're on to episode 19 of Cowboy Bebop is how referential it is and that a lot of the fun for fans is how they weave in little bits of trivia from other famous shows. So, for instance, in this episode, there are some sound effects for the trajectory computers, and those sound effects are stolen straight from Mother which you'll remember from Alien 1979 and that computer system. So that was a really cool bit of trivia. But then also the name of the mechanic, the old grizzled guy that eventually comes to, to help Spike out, is named Dewan, which is a direct reference to Jimmy Dewan. From, yeah, who plays Scotty in the original Star Trek series. So those were two things while watching it. I, I said, why do those sounds sound familiar? And Dewan obviously was, was an obvious reference. But... There's a bunch of baseball references too, like a lot of the characters in at least the Americanized version are named George, Herman, and Ruth. So all a reference to to Babe Ruth. So that, you know, just some real, real fun things. And then all the other notice that the scrapyard is actually filled with other real ships. Uh, B-25 Mitchell, uh, Milmi-24, and F-22 Raptor. Um, So some, some cool ships there. I want to jump back to you. We're talking about sound effects. This is the first episode of Cowboy Bebop that I watched with headphones on. Hmm. And oh my God, is that the way to watch these episodes? Really? The sound mix is amazing on these things. In addition to watching the dub version, I highly recommend watching these episodes with headphones on, which I should have known because it, it's so music based already. But the everything, the sound effects, the the stereo mix is great. Like if a character moves from the right to the left side of the screen, it moves from your right to your left ear. I love that. And it's not just this episode, because after I discovered that, I watched all the rest of them that way. The only other thing I'll note thematically is that this is another one of these episodes where Spike deliberately puts himself in harm's way and almost seems to be on a suicide mission and kind of tempting fate and that that theme continues into the next episode. Him seeming to deliberately seek out the most risky, most likely to get him killed (laughs) plan that he can find. Yeah, yeah he, he has a zero fuck method of living. <laughs> <laughs> also, the, the pirates names were George, Herman and Ruth. And that's like George, Herman, Ruth is Babe Ruth's name. Baseball is very big in Japan. This was very much a baseball tribute episode also. All right, let's move on to the next episode, which is episode 20, which... I got to admit that we're giving this one to Johanna because she actually can speak French better than the rest of us, or at least pronounce French better than the rest of us. So I'm not even going to attempt to try 
to say Requiem for a Clown in French. <laughs> Just go for it, Johanna. Pierrot Le Fou. Pierrot is like a diminutive nickname, meaning Little Pierre and Le Fou, obviously the insane. So Little Pierre the insane. And the look of this character draws from so many different influences. The main one being Commedia dell'arte, which is a style of theater from the early Renaissance. It's a mostly visual, mostly slapstick, physical comedy style of theater. And the clown, this LeFou character, is a distinctive character from Commedia dell'arte. But of course, the look and feel of this character also draws a lot from other things in this cowboy bebop sphere of nerddom, such as the Joker. There are obvious references to the animated Batman series, which I remember watching as a kid. I had the action figures and everything. I loved the animated Batman series from the 90s. And the kind of long drawn pointed face is a callback to that Commedia dell'arte mask that this clown character would wear. But it also very much looks like the pointed chin of the Joker in that animated series and is also reminiscent of the V for Vendetta mask. And masks in general play pretty well in this episode as sort of being a theme, but specifically the kind of cross between the Joker character, someone who is thoroughly unhinged, wants to have a showdown in an amusement park. There's elements there, but there's a lot in common with V as well, since the apparent backstory for this Pierre LeFou character is that he was the subject of some psychological and chemical experiments, much in the same way that V was. And that Pierre LeFou was supposed to become a super soldier after these experiments, but then somehow escapes out into the real world and is out for chaos. That chaotic element from the Joker mixed with some of V's backstory create a really interesting mashup of things that fans would have been able to recognize. I was reading up on this episode to see, you know, what other people thought, and there were a lot of comments about the fact that Piero LeFou is not the subject of a bounty, which kind of makes this episode a little bit different. Spike just happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. He's chasing somebody else and runs across this supervillain and then because he was a witness to some crime that LeFou was carrying out, that now he is in his crosshairs. You know, they could just run away probably at some time, but Spike doesn't back down from a fight. So he goes to Adventureland, which if you look at some of the parade characters, there's definitely some references to animated Disney characters, Donald Duck, yes. Luffy. There's some Looney Tunes kind of call outs there. He doesn't have to go down to the showdown, but he does. This episode, to me, stood out as seeming like the most violent episode that we'd seen. And I think this would make my list of top 10 Bebop episodes, because it is kind of unique from the others. This one opens straight up film noir. It's very quiet. It's very black and white, like dark shadows and things like that. And first there's the original fight with Pierre outside 
between guys with dark glasses and you know trench coats and stuff like that and then it cuts to inside where spike's shooting pool and first several minutes of this are incredibly quiet, very film noir, builds a lot of tension there. That's in stark contrast to the amusement park, which is, my God, are amusement parks creepy in the late 21st century? Like, <laughs> what the heck was with that cherub thing that flew in and was like, this was dangerous. Let's go play outside. What is that? Like, what was that originally supposed to be when, you know... It was supposedly an angel. That's I was reading up on in the uh, Cowboy Bebop wiki, and it, an angel was actually listed as one of the characters. The character almost didn't even need to be there. It was weird. I thought it was like an amusement park special effect, right? But why would yeah. you have an amusement park park special effect telling kids this is dangerous let's go back outside you know that seems a little strange (laughs) i at one point i was like did he eat more mushrooms or what was going on here because i kind of felt like he was tripping yeah i don't know i liked this episode but yeah it was super violent and it's definitely a very odd cowboy bebop episode yeah and can we talk about the fact that a cat totally made this crazy super villain triggered i mean it triggered him and that's eventually what got him killed i think that's a reference to these psychological experiments mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about mk ultra in a later episode as well but there is sort of a, a reference to the experiments that this character had undergone is something like what the cia was doing with mk ultra and so this cat is a trigger like literally it's like mm-hmm. the something calling back to those experiments but yeah, just like a real bonkers ending, getting trampled by a parade <laughs> float, you know, just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Get, getting crushed by a character that looks like what would happen if Goofy and Donald Duck had a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Boogie Woogie Feng Shui. Boogie Woogie, another style of music. Also, the title of some rock songs like Rockin' Pneumonia and Boogie Woogie Flu. <laughs> Most popularly covered by Aerosmith. So that's why where I think they got it from since we've already had a Toys in the Attic. They seem to be very big fans of Aerosmith and the Rolling Stones. Feng Shui is an ancient East Asian art of balancing energies. It comes into play in a lot of stuff, but in the 90s, it got popular even in the West, for furniture arranging. Oftentimes, when buildings are built in China, they'll like try to make it harmonious and feng shui. So there's literally like, they'll build a skyscraper in Hong Kong with a hole right in the middle of it, you know, <laughs> just to allow the chi to pass through. Chi being energy. Anyway, <laughs> we get one of those gypsy crystal believing type people in this, but of course it being East Asian, it's, um, it's all about the chi and I Ching and Feng Shui. Jet gets a message from an old colleague, which sends him to a planet, uh, Mars actually, where he ends up at the gravesite of his friend. While there in this graveyard, he meets Pao, his friend's daughter. She says that he's not actually dead. And then while they're talking, someone starts shooting at them. This leads us back to the Syndicate Mafia again, which in this episode looks a lot like the Blues Brothers. (laughs) 
to make a long story short, they basically have to find this sunstone, which ends up being a lodestone that fits in her little board. She's got a board. It's called a luopan, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing here online. I don't know what it is. Some chi energy analyzing divining navigator thing. Eventually, they discover that the crime syndicate is after her father. The stone is actually like a lodestone, a piece of magnetite or something, and it fits right in the board, and it eventually leads them to him. And the whole point of all this was that he wanted to see his daughter one last time before he died. And so he knew that Jet could safely bring her to him, you know, and protect her from the crime syndicate. This also like raises some eyebrows because we don't know exactly what their relationship is. <laughs> That's brought up a couple of times. He tells her he's like an older brother to her. Yeah, I think he was establishing like there's not going to be anything romantic here, like not only just between him and her, but I think also between him and like the rest of the crew, like knock it off. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> no, I think it's it's funnier than that. Like he he's trying to kind of see like maybe she's interested, maybe she's not interested. And he's like, yeah, but I'm like old enough to be your and she says, father and he's like oh no no like, no no, no, like, no, like, no nope that's too weird okay uh yeah like your brother like your cool older brother yeah <laughs> so yeah um yeah and so that i thought it was a, a funny exchange on that park bench and with the ice that cream cone funny. great use of ice cream cone one of the best in like all of animated or or i'm just gonna say all of cinema like most effective use of ice cream this was the first time I heard Feng Shui talked about in sort of more of that broader Taoist way. A lot of times people just spend a lot of attention to how you arrange your furniture in your house. Mm -hmm. This episode has a lot more about like almost a use the force kind of application of Feng Shui, which was pretty cool. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. In these four episodes, Wild Horses, Pierre Lefaux, Boogie Woogie Feng Shui, and Cowboy Funk, there's not a lot of eating and drinking, except in Cowboy Funk, where they drink a lot of martinis. Now, we just came off of a run of James Bond, so I'm not going to have us mix up martinis again. Instead, this is a recipe for cowboy stew. Mm. It's so easy to make. It's designed so that you can cook it up over a fire. There's not a lot of like fussiness about it. You take a pound of ground beef and put that in a pan and brown that. You can also add other meat if you want. Some people throw in strips of bacon. Some people cut up a kielbasa in there. Whatever meat you want, brown that in the pan. Or what I like to do is use a big eight-quart spaghetti pot and just brown this in, in the bottom of the pot. Do not drain the meat drippings, the grease, the bacon grease, all that. You just leave that in there. In that, you chop up a green pepper and an onion, and like a half teaspoon of minced garlic. Then you take a 15-ounce can of corn, all right, 
all these things are designed so that if you were camping, you could heat the corn up over the fire in the can. Just add that in. Add a 15-ounce can of diced tomatoes. Add that in. You don't drain any of this, none of this. You don't drain the baking grease. You don't drain the water from the tomatoes. You don't drain the water from the can of corn. That just becomes part of your soup, your stew. 15-ounce can of whatever kind of beans you like. I like black beans, which you can do kidney or pinto or whatever. And then, again, don't drain it straight into the pot. And then add one teaspoon of chili powder, half teaspoon of salt, and then you just simmer that for 20 minutes. And that is cowboy stew. It's got some other names, too. I've heard it called ranch stew, range stew, and stuff like that. And you can then mix it up some. If you like something else in your stew, you can throw that in there. But basically, that's it. That's cowboy stew. And it's super easy to make because you're just dumping all these cans into one pot and letting it simmer for 20 minutes. I have a family recipe that we call cow hand stew. Ours is probably more like a traditional beef stew where we use the cheapest steak you can find. Doesn't have to be good steak. Can of tomatoes for sure. You can do potatoes if you want to, carrots, onions, peas going at the last minute. But the one ingredient that I think all stews should have is Worcestershire. Worcestershire makes the stew. If you don't have Worcestershire, you can just pour A1 right into the stew. My recipe calls for something like, um, I don't know, a quarter cup of soy sauce and maybe like two to three tablespoons of Worcestershire. But that salt and kind of bitter element i think think helps yeah yeah there's a lot of other things you can do i was going to mention potatoes another thing is mushrooms you can chop up some mushrooms in it if you want but basically the whole idea is brown your meat add your veggies and uh, simmer for 20 minutes yeah or crock pot for four hours both both work fine sounds good if you're doing something that's uh, more like big chunks of meat, like big chunks of beef, then I would probably use my Instant Pot. But whatever works for you guys. All right, which brings us to episode 22, Cowboy Funk. There are two gleaming towers that reach the heavens, <laughs> the largest towers there in the city, and um, the, it's probably after hours or whatever, there is a security guard and he's walking around and he leaves a teddy bear on a rail by a window and takes the escalator down where on the way down, he is stopped by Spike. Spike is trying to collect a bounty on him because apparently he is the teddy bomber. The teddy bomber puts bombs in teddy bears and blows stuff up. And he tries to blow up that teddy bear, but Spike has deactivated it and starts fighting with him when all of a sudden, out of the blue, smashing through the lobby window comes a straight up cowboy, the whole dandy white hat type cowboy. Not only is a dandy, he's named Andy. <laughs> and he mistakes Spike for the teddy bomber. And while they're fighting and arguing, the real teddy bomber blows up other teddy bears that he planted in these twin towers and then escapes. This leaves Spike really beat up and he gets run over by the guy's horse as Andy pursues the teddy bomber. This all takes us on a journey to figure out who and what is the teddy bomber. 
which we learned from our show, <laughs> our America's Most Wanted crossed with Hee Haw. That's right. <laughs> it's like something like Big Shots or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's called Big Shots. Yes, it's called Big Shot. Yeah. This basically becomes more about a beef between Spike and Andy than it does about the Teddy Bomber. Although there's a bounty on the Teddy Bomber, the Teddy Bomber releases a manifesto, which, which they don't have time to read on the air. Um, it's just kind of <laughs> hilarious because the whole time he's just trying to get his message out there, which we don't find out what his message is until the end of the episode. This is one where they're just going to throw the cowboy part of Cowboy Bebop right in your face and be like, OK, this is not a, a genre blend this is like a genre stew you're gonna get like chunks of stuff here and there speaking of stew eventually Faye goes back to andy's place and they have cowboy stew which apparently everyone thinks is terrible <laughs> we have to definitely talk about the rivalry between Andy and Spike. Faye was the first one to point out that they were basically each other's doppelganger because they were so much alike. And I like how it kind of played off of the very male ego driven competition or um, uh, what is it? The it's not rivalry? Yes, it's a well, dick measuring contest. Basically, right. yes. Stop That's it. A, yes, yes, stop it. Stop it. I got to come to Spike's <laughs> rescue here. I got to come to his aid because he is can't not help that he's such a dude okay he's he's nowhere near he's nowhere near as annoying as andy oh, no. nor is he as shallow as andy nor is he as incompetent as andy all right yeah so yeah they both have big egos and they're both pretty sharp dressers and stuff like that but i would say there is also a world of difference between them spike comes from a much rougher background andy comes from a very privileged background you know um there's more but that i'm gonna stop there yeah i i mean i don't think they're very similar characters one of my favorite things though is the presence of the horse in all of this we've been riding around in our space horses for most of the season it's you know been wild horses remember yes. the episode wild horses actually refers to all the ships as horses yes exactly so now we finally get a real horse there's a great line where andy says like oh and she plays a mean game of chess and spike's like horses can't play chess <laughs> Just... <laughs> they really have fun with the cowboy elements for sure and the horse just like the horse going up and down the elevator like chasing on the horse just it's horses great. are not allowed in here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, isn't there a fight on the train in this episode? It's like every Western trope shows up in here. It does. It does. It really does. And what's kind of fun is how that is juxtaposed with, like, the terrorist bomber, which is not a Western plot element at all. Like, I can't... Oh, yeah, it is. That's the Western... Like, the idea of dynamiting the, the railroad tracks. Like, that's, okay. like, the most classic western right, trope right. there is like i guess so i bet that happened in the very first movie western ever <laughs> blowing up the mine yeah i guess you're right that's that's pretty snidely whiplash classic <laughs> that brings up the point that terrorism was not taken quite as seriously in some parts of the world like the united states at the time 
this was created. In last episode, uh, Rosie mentioned how the first Twin Trade Tower bombing suspect went on trial around the time this happened. Everybody pretty much forgot about it because it's such an incompetent attempt. I think it was Mohammed Salame. What, it, what, I, the, I believe so. Yeah, I'd have to. Look he at had like notes. a rider truck or something. Why they always mm-hmm. use rider trucks? I have no idea. And like, they're easy to rent. That's why they're very easy to rent. This episode brought you... to you by rider trucks. <laughs> four there out of five go. terrorists. I think is. didn't didn't Timothy McVeigh use a rider truck too? It's like four <laughs> out of five terrorists choose rider. Um, but anyway, they he uh, blew, he detonated it in the parking garage, and it caused a little bit of structural damage to the garage, as I recall. But that was it. So nobody mm-hmm. really took this stuff seriously. Fast forward to 9-11, and the two biggest buildings in New York City, the Twin Trade Towers, are destroyed by terrorists who fly planes into it, effectively making them bombs. And Cowboy Bebop was already shown in Japan, but its U.S. premiere didn't happen until September of 2001. Mm -hmm. And so literally, these shows start airing and two episodes that we've already talked about earlier on got pulled for being too violent. If you remember, right after September 11th, a lot of stuff was being pulled from the airways for being too violent. But this episode, where they (laughs) literally blow up two towers and Edward discovers the bomber's pattern is to blow up the tallest building. So these two were the tallest buildings. The coincidence, I think, was too much for Cartoon Network. And they're like, no, yank it. So these got yanked. The Space Shuttle episode got yanked. A lot of episodes did not make it to air in the original uh, run of Cowboy Bebop. What's interesting, though, is this episode would have been made just really probably a few years after Unabomber's last bombing incident in 1995. There was enough distance probably at the time they were making this where they could make fun of the Unabomber, but the Unabomber was active from 1978, 1979, up until 1995. And a lot of his targets were bombings on airplanes, but the character, the Teddy Bomber, I mean, the fact that his name is, you know, Teddy, Ted Kaczynski. There's an obvious connection there. Right. And the manifestos are pretty similar. We only get to hear half a sentence of the Teddy Bomber's manifesto, but both of them anti-capitalist bent for both. Yeah. And just one more interesting kind of thing, just because the themes about MK Ultra seem to go in and out of several of the episodes in Cowboy Bebop. This is another one. Although it doesn't seem referenced directly for the character, Ted Kaczynski, what supposedly set him off was that he participated in a psychological study when he was a student at Harvard that was possibly connected to MKUltra. As part of the study, the students were asked to write out their personal beliefs and aspirations and write out their personal philosophy. And then the experiment was that someone would come and verbally abuse them about their deepest held beliefs and belittle and and shame the person. Mm. And apparently Kaczynski participated in 200 hours of this study. Yeah. Thoroughly messed the guy up. He was supposed to be a brilliant math professor. He, you know, started as a math professor at age 25 at Berkeley and retired within two years because he just couldn't do it. At the end of this episode, when he's being taken away, 
the Teddy Bomber finally gets to tell one guy, the guard in the vehicle, <laughs> what his reason for bombing was. And he goes off on what sounds exactly like an Al-Qaeda-like reason for bombing the Twin Trade Centers. He starts with, you know, uh, capitalism and all of that. But he also mentions that these tall buildings are a symbol of capitalism. And that's exactly why the Trade Center was bombed, because it was the symbol of the financial district of New York City. And it was very symbolic to Al-Qaeda. The coincidences are incredible like if you listen to that rant he has at the end and then listen to the uh you go back and watch the osama bin laden tape or whatever you'll see how similar they were and i'm not going to suggest that osama bin laden watched cowboy bebop but my understanding is this show is very popular in the middle east <laughs> just as a side note wow okay and then at the very end while he's trying to tell this story even then he gets interrupted because riding on horseback past the transport that he's being taken to prison in comes andy once again who now wants to be called musashi he is now no longer a cowboy having had a straight up showdown at sunset on top of the remnants of one of these buildings with spike he now decides that Spike is the true cowboy. He's not as good a, of a cowboy as Spike. So he, after giving Spike his cowboy hat, decides he is now a samurai. Yeah. And we, okay. end, we end the episode with Sia Space Samurai. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Well, and supposedly this was sort of a preview to one of Watanabe's later creations uh samurai shampoo yes which i i'm probably pronouncing wrong but yeah it's a nod to that supposedly so if they ever add andy into a live action film it has to be played by owen wilson a hundred percent well yeah he was kind of like um what was that shanghai, shanghai noon. noon yeah, yeah he was that's exactly like that. who i thought of i was like oh my gosh it's shanghai noon yeah <laughs> we'll be back next time with Speaking of movies, the Cowboy Bebop movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door. But until then, please like, subscribe, follow, give us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you get this on. For most people, according to our stats, that's Apple, iTunes, podcasts, just helps us get the word out. And if you can't do that, then at least verbally tell somebody else about the show and and suggest it to them. Borrow their phone and download it on their phone. Whatever you need to do to get somebody else to, listen to, to listen to this. <laughs> Give me your phone. I'm going to download this right now and you're going to listen to it. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're not above mind control. You know, just read up on MKUltra. Try that to get them to like and subscribe. There you go. Okay. You now will like before we get too into Joe Rogan territory here, <laughs> I need to end this. All right. So our email address is letter G, letter C, number eight, GC eight podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Eric. This is Rosie. This is Johanna. See a space samurai.
My handwriting stinks. You're going to have to edit a lot out of what I'm saying.